0: Friends, I hope you experience the peace of Christ this Christmas. My name is Adam, and it's my joy to be the senior pastor here at First United Methodist Church. And it has been a banner year for our church. We've gone through a pastoral transition. Uh, both our campuses continue to thrive, and it has been so exciting to see God at work in our community. Next week, our West Side campus goes to two services. Congratulations! this has been an awesome year, and i 'm excited to close it out together this morning. I wanted to come back via video, even though i 'm visiting with my family over the holiday because this is a message very, very close to my heart when I was in college i didn 't take any econ classes right i didn 't have any business classes just just wasn 't in the degree plan wasn 't really interested in it, but as an adult. I've tried to learn some of the principles of business and, and uh, acclimate myself to capitalism by watching Shark Tank. I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, Shark Tank, one of my favorite shows. Real people with real businesses make a pitch to real sharks. These are savvy and, and very wealthy investors who are considering the opportunity to invest in these different businesses. You may have seen a couple of these products at home. We use the Scrub Daddy, which is very handy. And uh, there's also another thing I saw on Shark Tank called the 180 cup. This was invested in by a shark. This is a plastic cup with a built-in shot glass on the bottom. But y'all wouldn't know anything about that, right? I've learned a ton about business margins and cash flow and how to evaluate the worth of businesses just by watching this show. But here's the thing. The sharks are only gonna invest in businesses where they see an opportunity to recoup their money. That's why they're called sharks, right? It's not charity tank, it's shark tank. Right? They're only going to invest if the conditions are right. If the margins are too small, in other words, if they don't make enough money per product sold as a percentage, or if the business that they're hearing about maybe competes or conflicts with another one of their businesses, they're not going to invest. If they don't have a certain amount of trust in the legitimacy of the business owner, they're not going to invest. There's a long line of reasons why sharks may, may refuse to invest. And, and then they'll say the, the classic kind of catchphrase from the show is, and for these reasons, I'm out. So if the sharks don't think they're gonna get a good ROI or return on investment, they're not gonna waste their time. They're out, right? That's one of the main principles of the show. And I have a theory that we treat love the same way, that we spend love like money. And we won't go through the trouble unless we're pretty sure that it's gonna come back to us. Even if you offer the smallest kindness to someone and it's not returned, doesn't that feel like a bad return on investment? This obsession with ROI keeps us from following the command of Jesus. I'm 35 and, and when I look back on, on some of my younger years, I, I just cringe at some of my attitudes and, and, and my behaviors. And I think kind of a disturbing thing to, to ponder, is in 20 years, am I gonna feel that way about myself now? I don't know, but what what can you do? Uh, When I look back on my time in college at at Central Methodist University, I have some regrets about some maturity issues uh, that I had. And one of those was how I thought about Greek life and people that were in it. Uh, I ended up marrying a girl from our rival school, Missouri Valley, had to go offshore. And after we had been together a little while, I remember I told her, hey, I don't know how it came up, but I said to her, you know, when we first met, oh, I know how it came up because she joined a sorority later. And I told her, look, if, when we first met, if you had a sorority sweatshirt on with your letters on it, I don't think I would have talked to you. And, and I then went on to explain that, that I thought people in Greek life were super judgmental. I'm just going to let the glaring hypocrisy kind of hang there for a moment. Can you see how backward that is? So when I was in college, I didn't associate too closely with anybody in Greek life. And at the time, I thought it was because I thought they were so judgmental. But in reality, it was because I was insecure. I was scared about what people who were different than me would think about me. So I didn't ever really approach somebody that was in a sorority or a frat because I was afraid they would think I was too uptight or churchy or whatever. So I withheld love because I was afraid of making a bad investment. And rather than taking a risk, it was just easier to declare, I'm out. I'm out. Now, just to be quite clear, I bring this up. Not to shame anybody who is in Greek life, but to say, I was wrong. Now, it may not be Greek life or a a time from your past, but what is a group of people who, for you, feels like a bad investment? Andy Stanley is a preacher who once said, if you preach from your weakness, you'll never run out of material. Now, I don't think I'm the only one who can struggle with this negative and judgmental attitude the instinct I had was to only associate with people who were like me. People who I was pretty sure would give me a good return on my investment of energy and affection or care of love in a word. And that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus says we should do. These are his words from Luke chapter six. Jesus speaks out against our attitude of having a bad return on investment. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. In other words, loving people who are easy to love and are gonna love you back just isn't that big a deal. Let's read on. Jesus then uses an analogy. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. It's interesting that Jesus uses an economic metaphor here. Jesus is the anti shark when it comes to love. You don't get a medal for making a risk free investment. He continues, but love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Loving our enemies, lending to those who aren't going to be able to pay it back. What? What kind of a terrible investment is this? Jesus would be a terrible financial advisor. When it comes to love, what kind of fool would follow this advice? Friends, following Jesus means being willing to put up with a bad return on investment. Jesus wants us to invest in those folks who are not like us, folks who we know will not give us our love in return. This is the opposite of our instinct. Like when we only have a limited amount of something like money, we tend to want to hoard it to keep it to ourselves. And as long as we treat love like money, we'll constantly be battling this fear of a bad return on investment. But friends, I came back for one last sermon in 2019 to tell you this good news. This is not how love works. These are my children. Aaron is almost six and Betsy is two and a half. Now, when Betsy was born, do you think I sat down with Aaron and was like, now listen, bud, you got a little sister now. And so uh, we're going to be cutting the love that you get in half. Yeah, half. You're not going to get as many hugs. Uh, The time we spend wrestling in the evening also reduced by 50%. I'm sorry it's hard times, but we only have so much love to go around. No, that would be ridiculous. Ridiculous. Of course that's not what we did. Friends, we've been conditioned to think of so many things, including love, in economic terms. That's not the way it should be. Romans 5.5 5 says this, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. When God is our source of love, that we no longer need to think in terms of scarcity. Because an infinite God that has poured love into our hearts, that love is an infinite resource. So you don't have to be afraid to show someone even the smallest gesture of love or kindness. You don't have to fear people who are different than you based on what you think they'll think of you. You don't have to worry about whether your love will be reciprocated. And you no longer have to worry about your love coming back to you. You don't have to worry about a bad return on investment because you can't waste what you can't run out of. You have an infinite resource at your disposal. We all do when we profess our faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us access to this infinite source of love. And so you don't have to worry anymore because you can't waste what you can't run out of. Have you heard of Bitcoin? It's a cryptocurrency, which as far as I can tell means uh, no one's really in charge of it. No one is even sure who invented it, uh, but it came out in 2009. I have a buddy who bought two Bitcoins for $2,500, and then as of December of 2019, those are each worth $6,800. So he's gone from 2,500 to 6,800 a piece. What? Again, never took an econ class. I don't understand how this works. Lots of economists are really concerned about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin because of how volatile they can be. So I have no idea what makes value of Bitcoin go up or down, but what I do know is uh, your Bitcoin can be worth a lot one day and not a lot the next. And so buying into Bitcoin is, is to me, in my estimation, a pretty risky proposition, right? Because if you buy in at $2,500 and then it tanks out to $4, well, now you're hurting. But on the other side, if you sell your Bitcoin maybe too early and its value could have gone up even more, that's also a risk. So you're in a tough spot, right? But friends, investing in people by showing them God's love is not the same type of risk, You don't have to be afraid of making a bad investment. So in 2020, my question for all of us is how are we going to invest? I would suggest three different areas that you can invest your love next year, right? Are you gonna be a a good investor or are you gonna be like a shark who says, I'm out at the first sign of trouble, at the first sign of resistance? Or will you be willing to invest your love without fear, knowing that it's a no-lose, because you can't waste what you can't run out of? Here are three different areas that we can invest love as we begin the new year. Your family. Man, especially after a long day, sometimes you have the least to give the people you love most. It's tempting to just check out on your devices. I face it every day. What's something your family can do and commit to together. You know, for us, uh, that's Saturdays. That's the one day that neither Sarah or I work at all. She being a teacher. And, and so typically what that'll look like is, is uh, my son will help me kind of crack eggs and make breakfast on Saturday mornings. And, and we've made a lot of memories uh, over shared cinnamon rolls. And, and we really try and protect that time together. We kind of mark it out uh, because that's, that's precious, precious time. So I don't know what, what it could be for you. Is that no phones at dinner? Is that even trying to eat together once a week? Uh, if, if your family is spread out like a lot of us, you know, is that, is that a, a daily text or a weekly standing call? Or, or what does that look like? How can you invest love in the people you love most? The investment of time in your family is a worthy one because it goes quick. I already know that as a young parent. The second place you can invest is into your community. Now, there's lots of folks who make lots of judgments uh, uh, and and have different perceptions uh, of people who have economic needs. You know, a lot of times it's easy for folks to dismiss other people as, as lazy or they're only looking for a handout. But it's a lot harder to make generalizations about people once you know them. Once you get to know them, it's, it's a lot harder to have a stereotype about someone. And, and, and so here at our church, we have two main kind of branches of, of outreach ministries, of, of reaching out to people in need. One is through Love Haiti and our partnerships with schools and organizations there that's been longstanding, that does amazing work. And the other is Love KC. That's sort of uh, the umbrella for all of the local ministries that we engage in. You know, we've highlighted lots of those through the month of December, but our partner school, Whittier Elementary, has an amazing staff. They do amazing work. You can make the difference in the life of a child. We sponsor them with sweatshirts at Christmas time. We've pledged to give every child a book every month this entire school year. So we do lots of stuff at Whittier. There's lots of people who donate and, and don't, may never even meet these kids. But there's lots of us who do interact uh, with those wonderful students. We engage through helping young families with baby grace and, and, and providing them with, with different means and different experiences. We have a, a crew uh, part, that's part of our Kairos ministry that, that, that has a program and a ministry with women in prison in Chillicothe. We are active in the Carney Food Pantry and that's a commitment we've made here locally as well for folks that are hungry. Right, also at Dogwood Elementary, next year we're, we're beginning some new processes where there's, there's a thing called the Care Portal, which can connect us as a church, as individuals within the church, with individual needs of students, that there's, there's a whole system to help get those needs communicated and then met. So there's no shortage of ways for us to be investing figuratively and literally in our community. And I also want to highlight the opportunity we have to invest in our community through being part of a small group. That's one of the first things Sarah and I did when we came to our church. It's important to us that people meet in our home and, and, and that we gather with people in a circle and not just in a row on Sunday morning. It's very possible to be part of a church sort of anonymously. And you kind of come in, you listen to an amazing message and you sing and you pray a little bit and then you leave. Well, that's not the whole picture of what it means to be part of a functioning body or one part of the body of Christ. And so in January, we're launching a ton of new small groups. And I hope you'll take advantage of those opportunities to invest deeper in relationships, in learning together, in growing spiritually with other folks in this community. And finally, I want to encourage you to invest in your enemy. Now, your family, your community, your enemy. See how those all end and why? That makes me very happy. (laughs) Your enemy. The words of Jesus are so crazy, I think they deserve to be repeated. Again, this is from Luke 6. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked." According to Jesus, it just isn't that big a deal when we only invest in the people we find worthy of it. And this is hard. Think about when that person, uh, who is it? That person that gets on your nerves. Who, who's that person that, that talks about you when you're not around? Who's the person that kind of makes your blood pressure rise just a little bit? That's who Jesus is calling you to love. Can you commit to obeying Jesus and do good to them? And even if you can't, can't begin repaying them, uh, repaying their insults with kindness, can you begin by being courteous? So friends, I don't know what might be keeping you from following Jesus' command to love your enemy. To follow Jesus' command to love others, especially those that aren't gonna return your investment of love. Maybe you're hypocritical and insecure like I am. Maybe you're scared of making a poor investment, and that your ROI just isn't going to be what it needs to be. But that's exactly where Jesus calls us. So I'd invite you to think again, if you think maybe you can't love someone that's a lot different than you. So friends, don't worry about your love being a poor investment because you can't waste what you can't run out of. And so I hope in your new year, in 2020, that it is a year full of terrible investments in Jesus' name. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word that challenges us and that calls us to love others as you have loved us. We thank you for the year that has been and look forward to the year to come knowing that you walk with us every step of the way. So give us the courage to release our grip on love. Help us to no longer conceive of of spending love like money and open our eyes to the abundance, to the infinite resource we have because of your Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Help your love flow to us and out to other people, especially when it's a bad investment. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and everybody said together, amen.